0: Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the flight attendants, the pilots, and from traveling around the world. I, in my last episode, I was saying that uh, I was happy as a clam and I was like, why do we say that? Are clams happy? And I actually got an email from a listener named Beth and she said that's only half the expression. We've lost the other half. It's happy as a clam at high tide because otherwise they'd be dinner. So, thanks, Beth, because I I did wonder about that happy as a clam. And the music for this episode came from a listener, a fellow flight attendant from Canada named Adrian. He sent me a bunch of songs. And uh, this one is from a simple plan, Natasha Bedingfield, and it's called Jetlag. And let's just get on with the show. What time is it? I don't know if you guys heard this news story but it sure was interesting i'll play you the news clip and then i'm going to play you um, a clip from my favorite one of my favorite podcasts wait wait don't tell me from npr where they're making fun of the story
1: room. then the musical chairs the flight attendant who had to jump into his chair an emergency landing followed and so did big questions about safety in the air and here's abc's lisa stark
2: The military jets were ready to scramble, the airport on alert, after an ominous radio call from Flight 6132 at 10,000 feet and approaching LaGuardia. The captain was missing, and a passenger was trying to get into the cockpit. The captain has disappeared in the back, and I have someone with a thick foreign accent trying to access the cockpit. Chautauqua Airlines, which operates the regional flight, says when the plane was put into a holding pattern over New York, the captain went to use the bathroom. The airline says its security protocol requires two people in the cockpit at all times. So the one flight attendant on board went inside and locked the door. Then things got strange the captain got trapped in the bathroom, a jammed door. Eventually, he roused one of the 14 passengers and gave him the secret cockpit password so he could get help. I'm not just surprised that the captain would give a passenger the code. I'm, I'm kind of astounded. The first officer was shocked, too.
1: What I'm being told is he's stuck in the lab, and uh, someone with a big accident is giving me a password to access the cockpit, and I'm not about to let him at the end of the day, it was an unknown person and an unknown voice trying to access the cockpit. And you don't open the door. And you don't open the door.
2: Ultimately, the flight attendant came out of the cockpit and was able to free the captain. The
1: captain uh, myself, of myself went at the laboratory uh, and the door lashed and had to fight uh, my way out of it.
2: still, this incident does raise questions about whether some procedures may need to be changed so that a bathroom break doesn't trigger a security alert. David?
1: Lisa Stark on this story all day. Lisa, thanks. A LaGuardia-bound plane almost didn't make it this week when the pilot blanked. Oh, he got locked in the uh, restroom. He did. He locked himself in the bathroom and couldn't get out to land the plane. It really couldn't get more embarrassing for the flight crew. The pilot ran for a quick bathroom break and accidentally locked himself inside. The pilot eventually got out, but from now on, pilots are required to bring the key, the big wooden keychain, along with them. Mm-hmm. Bathroom.
0: So first off, in the last episode, I said I was going to Ecuador and I didn't go. The day I was going to Ecuador, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with water dripping into my bedroom. That's disconcerting. Oh, the joys of home ownership. You know, I'm new to this, so I've been I've been expecting some problems because 'cause I've always heard, you know, there's issues whenever you own a home. And sure enough, I it took me a few days to get everything sorted out to where I felt comfortable enough to leave the country <laughs> and make sure that my bedroom wasn't going to be flooded or have mold or something. So I ended up not going to Ecuador because my trip that I had planned in Ecuador was like a, you know, I was going to do this and it was like a three hour bus ride here, then a five hour bus right here, then a three hour bus right there. And Once I didn't have as many days, it seemed like I was going to be spending a lot of time just traveling and not really being anywhere. So Thank heavens that I have an airline job because most people wouldn't be able to change their plans (laughs) at the last minute like that. But I got out um, my airline's route map and looked for a different destination and saw that we fly to Georgetown uh, on Great Exuma Island in the out islands of the Bahamas. And I've always wanted to go to the out islands of the Bahamas, so... Now that we fly there and I don't have to, you know, get a ticket on another airline to get there, I thought, okay, I'll go there. So I quickly went on the Internet and looked at hotels and emailed the cheapest hotel I could find there (laughs) because that is my M.O. And uh, I got an email back from the woman saying, you know, we've been on vacation. Uh, We've been out of the country. So, you know, the place needs to be weeded, and the bar's not open, and the restaurant's not open, but we'll give you a great rate on the room. And I was thinking, great, because uh, it was already the best rate on the island, so she's going to give me a deal, then perfect. So I I emailed her back and said, great, I'll be there in two days. (laughs) So, (laughs) in those two days, the next day, apparently, she sold the hotel. So I get there, and they're all excited, and they say... uh. We sold the hotel. They're going to tear it down, and build something fancy, and uh, you're our last guest. (laughs) You're our only guest right now, and you're our last guest. I've never been that before, the last guest at a hotel, and uh, it was actually kind of fun. They gave me an ocean view room uh, because there was nobody else at the hotel, and I was joking with some of the people at the really expensive hotel. There's some really expensive hotels there. They have hotels there where you can have a butler. What do you need a butler for on vacation? I didn't even know butlers still existed, but I guess they do. And I can see you have an assistant, you know, celebrities have an assistant to pick up the dry cleaning to go to the DMV, you know, chores. But what do you need someone to do on vacation? Like what? What do you need a butler for? But anyway, I was joking with the people at the butlered hotel that, excuse me, but I actually have the more exclusive accommodations because I have my own hotel. (laughs) So whenever I would talk to the local people on the island and I'd say where I was staying, they'd go, what? They start laughing at me because they're like, is that place condemned? Or I thought that was closed. And I'm like, no, I'm there. (laughs) I'm staying there. And so I hadn't rented a car at first because they drive on the other side of the road. I've always been nervous about that. And I'm always cost cost conscious anyway. And most places you can walk. It's a small island or I thought I could rent a bike. I like to do that on vacation too. Um, But you couldn't rent bikes there. And it was because my hotel, uh, it was a good like 35 minute walk into hotel into town and like if you went to the grocery store or something it was kind of a long walk carrying stuff back it'd get a little hot and so it's customary on that island to hitchhike but you know I'm not very comfortable with that so the first I'd say two days I'd walking and uh, again the locals were laughing at me it's like oh it's the girl that's always walking uh so and staying at the condemned hotel. <laughs> so people would stop on the road and say, you want to ride? And I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm good. People would be like, you want to ride? I'm like, no, thanks. Ah, I'm happy walking. And by day three, this guy pulls over and he's like, you want to ride? I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Like hitchhiking Uh, in a foreign country. I tell you, I grew up, I was afraid of my own shadow. I was afraid to walk home from my friend's house who lived two doors down on my street. I literally would, would, I still have dreams about that. I was so afraid. Literally, I'd run as fast as I could. I don't know what I thought was coming out of the trees after me, but I was literally afraid of my own shadow. And here I am hitchhiking in a foreign country. And I don't actually recommend that, but, um, it seemed customary there and it seemed fine. Everybody was nice. Things are generally, blanket statement, but generally safer on an island, a small island, because everybody knows everybody and, you know, you can't, there's nowhere to run. Um, but still, if you would have told, you know, the 10-year-old me that I'd hitchhike later in a foreign country by myself, I would have told you, you were crazy.
3: All right. This is a story from a long time ago, probably in the middle 70s. Okay. And I had uh, the famous actor, beautiful man, Cary Grant oh my on board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was he's just just he's just as gorgeous as you always thought that he would be. And he was an older man at that time, and he was working for Fabergé Cosmetics. So there were not that many people flying in first class at that particular flight. And he came and talked to all the flight attendants. And he said, you know, I'm working for the fragrance company now. I'd like to send all of you a gift. And we're thinking, yeah, yeah, right. You know, this is really going to happen. From Cary Grant. From Cary Grant. So he took all of our names and addresses. And about two weeks later, at our home was this gorgeous gift pack of cosmetics, fragrances, and things like that. And so then I, I asked him, to what did he attribute his good looks and, you know, youthful, he had youth, beautiful skin. And he says, oh, it's from my grandmother. He said she had the skin of a baby's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he said she lived to like 96 or 97. So, that's that's I a gift from Carrie Grant. Grant. A gift from Carrie Grant. Now that's glamorous. It was very glamorous.
1: Yes.
0: So, one of the highlights of my trip to the Exumas, actually there were lots great island you know all the celebrities have their own caves, their own islands down there their own keys you know they it's you go on a boat and they're like that's David Copperfield's island that costs like $52,000 a night to rent you know like Oprah stayed there $52,000 a night and then they're like oh and that's Faith Hill's island and that's Nicholas Cage's island and you know Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell are over there <laughs> It's like, it's like the playground of the rich and famous. But one of the highlights on my trip was, conversely, certainly not the rich and famous, were the swimming pigs. They got pigs that swam. I didn't know pigs swam. Did you know pigs swam? (laughs) And like, there's like beautiful turquoise, gin clear water there, and there's Pigs swimming. I guess what happened, and I've heard different versions of the story, but I think what happened was some guy brought these pigs to this deserted island, and he was going to make a business out of it. You know, he was going to... Pigs. And anyway, it didn't work out his business, and he just left the pigs there. And as people on boats would go by this island with the pigs on it, they'd feel sorry because they didn't really have much there, you know... They were, you know, they were fending for themselves, and there wasn't that much to eat on the island. So when they would go by, they would, um, they'd feed the pigs. So the pigs started to think, hey, boats mean food. So they would swim out to the boats whenever they heard a boat. So now there's been many generations of these pigs, and they know that they're going to get fed. So they go swimming out to the boats uh, for food. And I guess any animal would do that. I don't know. I was making a joke. I was like, you know, a really good all the tourists want to see the swimming pigs. It's a, they're stars. It's a, it's a tourist attraction, the swimming pigs. And I was thinking, I guess most animals would swim if it's where their food source was. I'm like, why don't you get an island? There's so many down there. And, you know, not just pigs. You could have raccoons and foxes and donkeys and goats and, <laughs> you know, have a swimming zoo. <laughs> Instead of a petting zoo, a swimming zoo, I will put a picture of me and the swimming pigs on my website if you want to check it out.
1: So I have this, um, I was working A and I was in the back helping the other flight attendant and is, she had to have been like 17. She comes to the back. She says she's about to get sick. So we're scrambling around trying to get a bag and as soon as I swing open a bag, she throws up all over the walls. So she looks at us and I'm like, are you gonna help us? And she just goes into the bathroom. She comes back out, she steps over her vomit and goes back to her seat. So this lady I'm working with, she's like a mother figure. She cleans up all the throw up. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Have her come back here and do this. The same trip, I promise you, three days later, the same girl comes back on playing? a plane, and she has playing? a twin sister. And I'm like, "Are you feeling better today?" And she just, <laughs> <laughs> she just looks at me in awe, and I'm looking at her twin sister. I was like, "Oh my god, double twins! I can't have it." So that's my little story.
0: Yeah. Are you feeling better? I was no. like,
1: "Oh my god, she's back." <laughs>
0: So not only did I have a great time in the Exumas, I got home and immediately went to work and I had a two-day layover in Ireland. (laughs) Nothing like, you know, most of the time you get back from vacation and it's like back to the grind. Well, back to the grind was back to another travel opportunity. So I got a book from the library because I've been to Dublin a few times, but I haven't been to Ireland like what I think of Ireland, you know, the green rolling hills, castles, uh, quaint cottages. And uh, since I had an extra day, I went and got a book at the library and tried to see what I could do in in a like a day trip from Dublin. And I found this something that amazes me is how can there be these fantastic archaeological things that I've never even heard of. Uh, I went to Bruna Bornea and uh, specifically Newgrange. And it's older than the pyramids. It's older than Stonehenge. And here it is, you know, outside of Dublin. And it's a cathedral tomb, you know, we can't really exactly say what it is, because there's no written history of this. It's the Stone Age. And uh, it's this um, domed structure. And they didn't have any mortar, any nails, it was made out of these huge Boulders that they transported. They think it probably took them like 70 years to build this thing. And uh, at the time, we think they believed in the sun god and they positioned this domed structure right in a spot that one day a year on the winter solstice, the day that the sun renews itself, that the sun illuminates the interior of this cathedral for one day a year for 17 minutes so it's it's basically we think that they thought when the Sun renewed itself that they would put like the bones of their dead in there and then when the Sun illuminated it it would like show the dead the way to the next world or the world to come or whatever they believed so this is the really fantastic part is Ireland specifically this site has a lottery and you could put your name in there and they pick 20 people that are able to go in there one day a year for the winter solstice to see the sunshine through the way it was, the thing it was built to do 5,000 years ago. I mean, I'm going to put my name in every year. I mean, I, I can't imagine being one of the very few people that gets to see this event that was planned 5,000 years ago. It's just simply astounding. Okay.
2: So my repeat pilot comes in with his dad. And he said, Dave says, this is my dad, Jack. I said, hi, Jack. And Jack says, don't ever say that to a pilot.
0: (laughs) I want to thank all of you so much for clicking through my site when you go to buy something on Amazon. I mean, it has just been overwhelming. Uh, I've been so happy. I mean, it's so fun for me. Literally, I look at it and I'm like, oh, look, somebody bought some wireless pet fences and, you know, somebody bought an iPad and I can't see the names. Actually, it was funny because somebody emailed me and they're like, do you see the names? I don't know if maybe he was going to buy something embarrassing. (laughs) I'm like, no, no, I don't see any names. I just see the items. So uh, I'm like, look, people buy, you know, people buy books and DVDs. And um, so on my website, uh, there's a picture of my book for Amazon, and you can click on that. It takes you to the Amazon site for my book, but you don't have to buy my book. That's what's so great about this is I don't have to ask you to buy anything. Um, but if you're gonna go If you're going to buy something on Amazon, anyway, if you click through my site, I get a little something, and uh, it just spreads love, and it makes me happy, and thank you, thank you so much for clicking through my site when you go to buy something on Amazon. So it's the Christmas season, and uh, I was talking about those swimming pigs, so I brought my Santa suit actually with the pigs, it was deep water. So I couldn't really put the Santa suit on the fur. I think I would have sunk. So I just put on the Santa hat, which got soaking wet. And uh, I took a picture with the pigs for my Christmas card. And every year, I think I've mentioned before, I do, I make these cards every year. And every year, I get some dumb comments from people. Like You spend all this time making these cards and I get these crazy comments like the one year I covered myself in mud and somebody was like, you're not going to send that photo to any uh, ex-boyfriends, are you? You know, it's not very flattering and which I thought was funny because if I sent a glamour shot of me every year, people would think that was weird. Kind of like, you know, Oprah being on the cover of her magazine every month, you know, like, you can't send a a pretty picture every year, because that's weird. And um, then I get the other comments, which like the year I went skydiving in the Santa suit, somebody was like, well, you didn't really skydive. And I'm like, no, I just strapped some stranger to my back and uh, got a wind tunnel. (laughs) Yes, I actually did the skydiving. And then another year when I went to Easter Island and I drugged the Santa stuff all the way to Easter Island and I thought that year was a slam dunk because I actually was showing my tushy and said Merry Christmas from Keister Island in front of the famous statues and I got the comment, oh, I hope you liked Keister Island. They didn't know what Easter Island was. They didn't know what a keister was. You know, totally wrong oh and then you know two years ago I did a flower lay I did a I, I cut out flowers and put a picture on each one and I strung them together like a Hawaiian lay and wrote happy holiday days and then I got these comments like um we're trying to figure out the riddle and I'm like riddle it's not a riddle uh other people were like uh uh, I didn't really get that. <laughs> so I guess people didn't know what a lay was. and They didn't know how to spell lay. And uh, that was another bust. So this year, I've got those swimming pigs. And, you know, the water is so clear there in the Bahamas that I bet you I'm going to get some comments like, uh, whose pool were those pigs swimming in? <laughs> I can almost guarantee you. I'll get a who's, who's, uh, whose pool was that and whose who's. Uh, who's swimming pigs, are they?
4: Some unhappy travellers on an Austrian airline flight from India to Britain claim they were forced to pay more than $31,000 in cash to complete their journey. UK media is reporting that more than 180 passengers on a chartered Comtel air flight from Amritsar, North India... Spent six hours on the tarmac in Vienna during a refuelling stop after getting this message from the airline. But
2: we need some money to pay the fuel, to pay the, the airport, to pay everything we need. So you, if you want to go
1: to Birmingham, you have to pay. We can't do anything.
4: Passengers reportedly said the airline then threatened to remove their luggage from the plane if they did not pay the money. Some travellers were even escorted to ATMs to withdraw cash.
0: That's what I call the unfriendly skies. (laughs) Hey, now you got to, you know, you got to cough up some more cash for gas or else we're going to ditch your bags. So I had this great idea and I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but, you know, like for, um, end of life wishes, you know, some people want their ashes spread in the water, or they want some fancy um, gravestone, or they want a big party. And I was thinking it'd be fun or funny or ironic to put stipulations in my will, like if you're going to get any money from me, certain members of my family and friends, um, that you'd have to take like a portion of my ashes, and you would have to recreate one of my favorite travel trips. So like you would have to I, I have a lot of um, sisters who have never been anywhere, you know, so they'd be way out of their comfort zone and I'd pick like a certain trip for each one that I know would really put them out of their comfort zone, you know, like, you've got to take this train in Morocco and then you've got to get on a camel and you've got to go on a... Uh, camel trek out into the Sahara desert and that's where I want my ashes spread so I was telling some of my sisters this and they're like so you're going to like torture us after you're gone and I'm like no it's not torture I think it'd be you know a learning experience for everyone she's like so you're going to you're gonna pick a place you know we wouldn't want and something we wouldn't want to do and that's what you're going to make us do and uh, she goes you know I, I'd really hate to go to Hawaii I'd really hate to go to some really nice island <laughs> she's like planning a seed now <laughs> she's lobbying for one of the better destinations already she,
4: she'd been flying for about 30 years and she said the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to her on an airplane she was on a small airplane and she thought she heard something around the corner so she's you know kind of sitting on the jump seat so she just you know she's down low and she just kind of looks around well the woman sitting at the window had thrown up all over the man sitting on the aisle and so uh, as soon as she smelled it she got so sick. She threw up all over him. And then when the lady saw her throw up, she did it again. And then twice these two threw up on this man. And he's just sitting there the whole time. he goes, he looks at him and he goes, are you guys through now? So he goes in the bathroom and she's knocking. Are you okay? I mean, she's saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She's knocking on the roof profusely. He had literally hand-washed his entire outfit in the sink, put it on wet, and came out. <laughs> and of course, he was furious. He said, I'll never fly in this airline again.
0: So in my last episode, I had that very enthusiastic new flight attendant who was like I love it I love it for everything and I got an email from a uh, kid named Jared, who said that ever since he was three years old, he's wanted to become a flight attendant. Um, He says that he was listening to the I Love It show, (laughs) and he said he was going to be just like that flight attendant, and he uh, he says he loves the galleys, he loves the exit doors, he loves the smell, and he's flown over 200 times in his life. He really wants to be a flight attendant, and he thinks he'll be just like the guy who said, I love it. I love it. (laughs) So another fun thing on the Exumas is is they make conch salad there, you know, they, they get the conch right out of the shell and they, they put some lime juice and some salt and some orange juice and they, you know, from fresh oranges and fresh limes, and they put some peppers and some onions and you just eat it right like that, right, you know, it just came right out of the ocean. But the byproduct of the conch salad Is what's left of the conch What they don't put in the salad They just throw it right back in the sea And so a bunch of stingrays You know, free food Just like the pigs (laughs) The stingrays are always there There's like four or five of them There's a baby stingray You can feed them You can pet them They seem to like people Or maybe it's just because you're feeding them I don't know But it is amazing how They almost seem like pets They seem so friendly And I was just amazed they're just so interesting looking and I was saying to one of the local guys I'm like yeah you know they're like their are wings are like almost like bat wings and this guy said he goes the big man conjures up all manner of creatures and I was like what'd you say and he goes the big man he conjures up all manner of creatures and I was thinking that is so true <laughs> and you know Heading the stingrays and seeing the swimming pigs. You know, I never, never, ever take for granted any of these things. And I'm always so amazed that I get to do them. And I was reading this book called The Dove Keepers. And there was a quote that really got to me. And it said, as fortune comes to you, so does it slip away. And I realize that any of these things I get to do, it could all slip away at any moment. So I'm always so thankful that the big guy conjures up all manner of creatures good when
1: it's midnight going out of my
2: head alone in
0: Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.